You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes up for grabs. You know, I recently actually won uh, a lot of money on DraftKings. Uh, I bet that uh, Tom Brady would get unbelievably and undeservedly lucky in a Super Bowl <laughs> or a big game in general. So wow. make that make that bet every time. How much did you win? Uh, just millions of dollars. <laughs> I'm just going to bet it every game. Just, just enormous. Like Tom Brady's going to get an enormous break, and there's still going to be a you know a horseshoe shoved firmly up his ass. But DraftKings. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you want to also become a millionaire like me, uh, use DraftKings. So this week's jam packed with action, ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways to have a front row seat for you to have a front row seat for all the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Wow, excitement to every night and simple to do. Sounds like my kind of night. Uh, <laughs> draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap and then sit back and watch your points pile up like Taylor. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion, $2 billion of which has gone to Taylor, to users across sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. That stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. You're darn right it does. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. Uh, and I'm a fan of a, a really good college basketball team. I'll get back to you about hockey, though. My name's tell Taylor. Me, yeah, tell me about that. What's it like to follow a team that wins? Uh, well, it's nice. It's nice on occasion. They're 11 and three, even though it's late February, thanks COVID, but Hey, it's nice to get big wins every once in a while. Love that. I don't get that in other sports, really. Certainly not. Certainly not. Well, let's get right into it then everybody. So on the heels of a riveting three to two victory over the powerful New Jersey devils, the Buffalo Sabres are riding high right now. The two defensemen who had finally kind of figured things out this season and actually looked good are both seemingly out for the season. Their $9 million left winger can't buy a goal, even though he's putting up incredible chances, and now they're just going to bench him. And to bench him, they're going to continue playing uh, a guy who I think is legally dead, potentially. I don't know for sure. I'd have to ask a coroner about that. But um, Taylor, how are you feeling right now? Riding high after this big victory on Saturday? No. Uh, first of all, actually, that reminds me, speaking of legally dead, I do have a quick correction from last episode. That is, it hit me like immediately after we stopped recording. Uh, Brian Spencer's obviously not the first saver to die. I know who Tim Horton mm. is. No one got on us about that, luckily. But yes, I realized that I, immediately after the episode, obviously. Uh, the listeners are chill. They, they just, oh, they yeah. ride with us, you know? Yeah, Thank they you, know. Everybody. <laughs> they know I realize everything I say wrong immediately after the episode. The other thing is that the word I was looking for is the Minnesota North Stars owners are lame duck owners. Lame duck owners. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, let's get to this. You literally uh, texted me that I think thirty seconds after we stopped no, recording. 
I didn't even text you. I said it immediately after you hit like stop. Oh yeah, right, right. <laughs> Lame duck. Ah, well. Anyway, so for this episode, let's talk about this this huge win we had Saturday. They beat the Devils by one. I was riveted. Okay, is but- the cup is is the chase for the cup back on? I mean, listen, man, <laughs> yeah, we were up three to three to nothing on the Devils, and they came back and almost tied that game. But we staved off the powerhouse that is the New Jersey Devils and their high powered offense. How are you well, feeling right now? Before that game, the Sabres were in last place in this division. They're still in last place, but <laughs> there is a but here. Okay. <laughs> there is? I was not happy with how the game ended, but they were actually better than the Devils. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give the credit for the difference in the way they looked against Washington and the Islanders versus the Devils game solely to Dylan Cousins. I love Back this. in the lineup. And really adds another element because I think there there's no real way without Cousins in there to configure the lines in a way that makes sense or is reasonable. I just I've been looking at it. I've I've had a loss. I actually have a take on that maybe later. But I'll say this: they were better than the Devils clearly start to finish. My problem is like it was like oh, okay yeah they scored three goals they scored two goals at even strength awesome they scored two goals that weren't or those they scored three goals that weren't Victor Olofsson huge, but they should have scored more than. I know greedy. I know sons were asking like a lot, but they dominated the Devils. They're playing against a goalie who's just fine. He's not a great goalie. He's an okay goalie. In games like that, put it away. Score a fourth goal, even if it's an empty net goal. You know, it, look at it around the NHL this year with how with how much teams are playing close games or games like so games close together, four games a week, whatever whatever's going on in the North Division. <laughs> a lot of goals being scored. Scoring has been going up. It's not an accomplishment to score three goals. In the net? Like a, Pretty average game. division, by the way. Are they are they just putting like an orange and traffic a defense? <laughs> they're, I mean, like literally every team who's not. So the Oilers have a I don't know what four guys that are really good, and then a bunch of pylons. The Maple Leafs, and by the way, none of those guys are defensemen or goalies. The Leafs, you know, they're the same team they were before. Everyone else is trash. I heard people trying to defend the North Division on Twitter today, mm-hmm. and I was infuriated. I'm sorry to do this digression real quick, guys. What are you doing? like yeah i know they they there are a ton of really good young talented offensive players in the north division there are two pretty good goalies right as they're playing right now in markstrom and hellebuck mm-hmm. there are is there any is there one good defenseman in the north division that's playing well right now like i thought last year quinn hughes uh. was like gonna be one of the he was like on track to win a Norris someday, but I'm pretty sure he had a lobotomy in the off season. <laughs> Is there one? Can you name one? I mean, Mark uh, Giordano is 38 years old. He's pretty good. Put some respect on Neil Plank's name, bro. Yeah, exactly. Is that the best division or is, it, is that the best defenseman in the entire no. division? Oh man. Um, it is. It probably is. It he cannot be. No way. Who's Toronto's best defenseman? Probably Muzzin right now. Morgan Riley. I mean, yeah, those those are also like in contention. If they do division all stars this year, if that's the way they end up naming them, I, I mean, I think they might do that. I don't know how they're gonna end up doing all stars uh, at the end man. of the season. But if they do, it's gonna look real bad. We're like, oh yeah, okay. There's not gonna be a. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's gonna be no honorable mention goalie if that's a thing. I mean, you have two good goalies. Thatcher Demko also got one of those lobotomies, unfortunately. <laughs> And like, look at the rest of the like the Oilers have never been able to stop anything. Mm-mm. Carey Price is old. I don't respect him. 
<laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't mean that. But like, you know what I mean? Like this. It sounded personal. Yeah. Well, I actually do respect Carey Price. Carey Price has had a very good career. He might go to the Hall of Fame. He's not the best goalie in the NHL right now. Mm-mm. He hasn't been in a few years. No. Apart from one week this past summer. All right. So like. When people make fun of the North Division, let them because they're right. <laughs> the other thing was, I don't think too many teams changed their fortunes too much this offseason. This was not a big offseason for a lot of maneuvering, partially because the salary cap was staying so flat. So, like, Toronto was a team that they were the eighth seed in the East last year when they lost in the first round. Or they lost in the play in round, actually. They didn't even make the first round. Uh, Calgary. I don't even think we're, they were on pace. Calgary and Winnipeg were both on pace to, like, be on the playoff bubble. Edmonton was, like, fifth, but, you know, they're Edmonton. Mm-hmm. It was really a, a four-team conference last year in the West. Montreal was, like, almost equal to the Sabres. Literally, like, they were. It was, like, a point that separated them. Yeah. Ottawa was significantly worse than the Sabres. And Vancouver was good-ish. Good-ish. They're mm-hmm. partially carried by their goalie, though, and they let him walk. So... What I'm getting at here is the division is trash and I hope it's, it'd be endlessly funny to me if it's not Toronto that ends up making the conference finals. That would rule. That would, that would, would love rule. it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, back, back to the Sabes. Yeah. Okay. So if you insist, ah, sorry. they're still not finishing that well. Like, like I said, that should, they should have had more than three goals in that game. Skinner, Eichel, Hall, all still putting up decent numbers. I mean, Eichel more so than those other two, but still not finishing. And that's, that's still an issue for me. Like I I'm having like limits for how reasonable I can be. Can I ask you a question about this? Yeah, go ahead. So you and I both are very, very uh, firm believers in the use of analytics and telling the full picture of a hockey game and and of teams and and analyzing players. Um, that goes hand in hand with the eye test. You know, it's not like you can just solely rely on one or the other. I think that they work together very well. One thing I'm wondering though, I mean, is this unprecedented levels of bad luck when it comes to Skinner because of it's one thing if we were be if we'd be able to look at him and say, my God, it's not even like he's even alive out there. He's not moving well. He's not really generating chances, but it's not even like he's just like firing shots from the half wall. Like the guy is generating quality chances. He is, I mean, his heat map is great. Like he looks like he is, is who we, we paid for, you know, an elite five on five goal scorer, uh, production, you know, generator, however you want to use it to call him. But like, is, is it that just it, I guess? Is it just he has really bad luck right now? Or do you think that there's something more to this? I, I, what's your take? Well, I actually think Eichel's luck is worse if that if that also figures out. I can absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I uh, kind of lump all of them in together. The really only reason I mentioned Skinner on his own is because he hadn't scored a goddamn goal yet. Yeah, Skinner's thing is interesting. So we should probably mention that he might not play tomorrow. He might be a healthy scratch. Yep. It seems like based on Sunday's practice. And by tomorrow, I mean Monday night's game. So Skinner, yes, for starters, he's been incredibly unlucky. He has 31 shots this year, more than two and a half shots a game, playing with kind of two scrubs offensively, to be frank about it. Mm -hmm. Playing fourth line, he's not playing that many minutes. He's not really playing the power play. He's still generating that kind of shot. So he should 
have both more both more goals and more assists. He still he only has one assist. Right. Uh, you'd expect his numbers to suffer because of the position he's been in, but you would obviously expect him to have more goals in this situation. So there is an element of luck there. I also don't love how he played with Eichel the two games they were together. Mm-hmm. In fact, I didn't even like it. I, I thought he wasn't good at all. And I think, I guess since we're talking about this, I can say this. I'm going to say what I'm going to be mad about is not, it's not about Skinner, but I guess we should probably talk about Skinner another minute before I get mad then about something that's not about him. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, yeah. He's, he's been generating chances and we've, we've seen so many things on Twitter about how unusual this is, how low their PDO is, which is more or less a measure of luck. That's Eichel, Reinhardt, Hall, Skinner. And I try to be, I try to be as reasonable as possible about that. During games, I get mad, but after games, I try to remind myself like Eichel's creating chances, Reinhardt's creating chances, Hall to a lesser extent than those two is also creating chances. Skinner also to a lesser extent, but pretty good for his deployment, creating chances. They're all getting unlucky those goals have to go in, but there's two problems I'm having with that. The first one is the obvious one. This is a 56 game season. You don't have time to have a bad stretch. Mm -hmm. The Sabres had a very, very low margin of error. If they were going to make the playoffs, it was going to be as a four seed. It was going to be things going right now going forward. You don't need their luck to kind of just get better and go back to normal. You need a good luck stretch. Now. I mean, you're multiple points out of the playoffs. You're in last place. You got to try to catch up to the Rangers and Devils before you even catch up to the, the teams that are actually good. And they're, so, and we got the Islanders coming up again. <laughs> yeah. So, and then the other point here is that I think at some point you just have to score. Like to Skinner, to Skinner extent, yes, you're making $9 million. You have to score. Uh, Hall, my man, if you want an extension, those pucks have to start going in. Reinhardt, I, I mean, he has five goals and he's missed a couple games. So I'm actually kind of fine with him. Eichel, or he got hurt. He was the best forward on the team. Yeah, he was he was far. playing the best this year. Yeah. yeah, he was having a great start to the season. Eichel, I'm I'm kind of going back and forth on him. I'm not ready to freak out or anything yet, but you you have to be more productive. And I think, frankly, even though he's putting up decent numbers, uh, you know, if if his shooting percentage was as normal, he'd have a decently normal amount of goals. And his assists are still. I mean, he's almost with assist a point a game guy. I'm sorry, man. I know he plays in the fake division. Connor McDavid has like 37 points. Mm-hmm. Austin Matthews is averaging almost a goal a game. You have to start scoring. You, there's no way around it. You're not only uh, a $10 million guy. You're a guy I said on Twitter last year was better than Drysdale. You're making me look like an he, idiot. That he, guy has looked so much better well, than you this year. He's going out of his way to make you look bad. I know. And now I see all the charts that his expected goals and like actual goals against expected goals against and goals against when he's out there are great. He's doing great defensively, but man, we didn't get you to be Anze Kopitar. First yep. of all, because he scores way more than you're scoring right now at his prime. Second, man, you're supposed to be better than that. Well, I think that brings up an interesting point with Jack. Like, I think a lot of times people get very defensive over him and it goes both ways. Some people get really overly defensive over him and some people are a little bit overly aggressive on the attack with him, Yeah, but boomers. the boomers, of course. But what it comes <laughs> down to though is dude, if you want to be a top five 
player in this league, a top 10 player in this league, you got to start playing like it. And he's playing like a very good player right now, but he's not playing like a top five player right now. Would you be, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, that's the, that's the clear divide on all of this is it's yeah, of course he has looked good and sure his defensive impacts. I mean, yeah, he's been a lot better. He's been a lot more improved, but we've said from the start, if they're going to make the playoffs this season, if they were going to make any noise in this division, which again, the odds were stacked against them because it's not like this is the North division or, you know, there's not a lot of slouches in this division, New York, the, the Rangers and the devils. Otherwise though, everybody else has pretty much been a pretty consistent playoff team. And so for them to be in the equation, Jack needed to take another step up from last year. And he was great last year. What he did last year was exactly what I wanted to see out of his trajectory in terms of where his career is going. And now it feels as though he, not in terms of the overall, but I'm speaking more in the sense of just this season, has taken a step back from what he was doing last year. He doesn't look as dominant on the puck. He doesn't look as dominant with his shooting ability either. You know, he is a uh, he's he's a playmaker by trade, but he's a world-class goal scorer. He has an incredible shot. It's he, He's just too timid with it sometimes. And then even when he does, it, they're just not going in right now. And so, you know, is this a guy who I, I, I agree? Like he's not, it's not like he's been like dog shit, but he also hasn't played up to the expectations that we have for him. And not even that we have, that we should have for him. This should be what we expect. He should be taking over a game. Yeah, he's not McDavid, but are we really going to get to the point now where we're going to start saying, oh, well, he's not Matthews and this and that? Like, no, he needs to be. He needs to be in that conversation. That's who he is. He has all the talent in the world, and he has all the talent to be in that conversation. He's just not doing it right now. And I think it's okay that we talk about that without having to go to one of the other extreme ends where we act like he's not doing anything wrong or on the other end, we're acting like we need to ship his ass out the door right now. I think that there's a middle ground there that is is very fair and rational and reasonable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the conversation around him, it always sucks. And people, I, I don't want to talk about the trade thing. The trade shit is going to drive me crazy. If you're a Sabres fan, I'll just give you this right now. Give you an out. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do the trade talk. For starters, he's not getting traded within the next year. So you're wasting your time on that end. Don't waste your time on offers. Don't waste your time on any of that. Can I say if he one gets traded, thing? you're done. We're done. I'm not doing this goddamn podcast anymore if he gets traded. Can I say one thing to that too? One of the most infuriating things that I know you and I have bonded with over, and I know plenty of other Sabres fans have too, is just the absurdity of some of the offers that people put out there. And I am not saying this to try and feed into the narrative at all, but more so just in thinking about it, it, there is only, it's not happening this year, like you said, but in reality, there's only one team in the entire fucking league who I would even bother to listen for a second on due to circumstantial reasons why I would even listen in the first place for a trade offers for him. And it's Los Angeles. And the reason I say that is because like you're alluding to, if you are trading Jack, you're essentially you're punting and you're going, all right, well, we got to start all over again because you're not going to trade. You're the cornerstone of your franchise and get an adequate return, get a player of his caliber back. It just doesn't happen. 
there's no way that you would be able to do like a one for one swap with somebody where you would be getting the appropriate value back in return. The only team that makes any lick of sense if somebody is trying to make an argument for this is, is Los Angeles because of the capital that they have. If, if somebody wants Jack Eichel, you know what I'm going to say? Okay, cool. What's Quentin Byfield, Alex Turcotte, Adrian Kempe, and fucking Gabe Velarde up to and throw in a couple picks also? Because if you're trading Eichel, you are doing it because you want to start over. That's what it comes back to. You're not going to trade him to someone and you're not going to get uh, a guy who's going to be able to put up an equal return. You're going to trade him for futures, high-end futures that you think are going to pan out and definitely seem like it. And that's the thing. These people who say New York, no, I don't want Lafreniere. I don't want Capo Caco or Zabenejad. Those guys no. are trash. Exactly. You know who I want back? Who I would want back? Uh, give me Quentin Byfield and then a bunch of other pieces if you're going to do it, because it means that you're going to try and start over. And if you're going to do it, then yeah, give me a bunch of blue chip, like top 10 prospects. And LA is the only team that fits that bill. So if you're a Rangers fan, if you're a Devils fan, whoever the fuck else is making these ridiculous boston fans too you don't have what we want you don't have enough you don't nobody does nobody does and i kind of put that out there on twitter and a couple people seemed like they were kind of thinking similarly at the well rational people at least i should say who who i i find at least to be and that's it it's because you're going to kick it to the curb and you're going to start over and that's not going to happen after this season for a lot of reasons his the the contract details with his no movement clause kicking in which i believe comes in in what like another year or two um yeah i mean that that's one of the big that's why he's not getting traded until right and so that's what that kicks in he can't control where he goes at all he's not gonna he's not gonna demand to get traded and the team won't want him to now i agree with los angeles but i i have a different trade in mind actually if they if they are going to trade eichel like i said not really entertaining offers here i think you make a more elaborate trade you trade it's a three-way trade eichel to the kings uh Quebec city gets the rest of our franchise <laughs> and we get the Clippers back. And how is that not a fair deal? Now, in this case, uh, Quebec city would have to throw in like cool poutine restaurants to us and LA to us, maybe probably to us. I would say LA is getting like a lot of it. I mean, we do yeah. get the Clippers back, which would be pretty cool, but and, you know what I mean though, with the LA yeah. point though, you like, I, I'm not saying that in a way that I'm advocating for it, or I think that's what yeah. they do, but and LA wouldn't from a, from do that. A, a strategic standpoint, that is the only team that I would, if somebody said that to me, I would could say, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe I wouldn't do it, but it makes sense. Like if that's what your thought process is, I'm not trading them to the fucking Rangers for a couple of wingers. Like, dude, you need a foundational franchise center back in return. So all these people, yeah, the, the, the Zibanejad ones are insane to me that somehow people think that they're of like equal value uh if there's any rangers fans who listen to that show like go get your pals go go take care of that and and please knock some sense into them because it's utter bullshit i I, i'm not at a point right now where i think that they should make that move i think that you know as we've said i'd be lying if you know we if i said that i was completely pleased to the fullest fullest extent with how he's been playing but I'm not at a point where I uh, we need to be bringing out the pitchforks because you know why? He's not the problem. He's not the reason why they suck. Sure, he can have some things that maybe you can, you know, 
give some constructive criticism to and pinpoint and say, oh, if you know, he did X, Y, or Z differently, maybe whatever. But like Jack Eichel is not the problem. Sam Reinhardt, not the problem. There is so many more problems that you can look at on this team and say, if they did this differently, they'd be better. If they swapped out this guy for that guy, they'd be better. If they traded this guy in the off season, they'd be better. It's not the guys who that that's not, I, I guess what I'm getting at is that's not why we haven't made the playoffs in the last 10 years. It's not because of Jack Eichel. It's because of gross mismanagement, both asset mismanagement, asset mismanagement, and then also how you're handling the assets that you have currently in terms of who you're playing and who is playing in Rochester and who's playing in the NHL. All right. Speaking just give me that, a look. Go. So that this this kind of leads into why I'm getting mad. Let's talk about some asset management. Let's talk about how you manage the team, coaching, whatever, culture, whatever you want to do. Ralph Kruger, since the beginning of this season, a little over a month ago, is he's had Con had it in for Jeff Skinner. And he even before that, even last season. And he talked about needing to fit in with the culture, needing to uh, play within their system, their principles, he talked about. And we've talked about our thoughts on that a million times. And I would even go so far as to say is Jeff Skinner hasn't been good enough this year. Fair. Of course. Uh, even even luck aside. And that maybe you could uh, give him a night in the box. I don't know. I'm not 100% convinced of that, but I don't think it's the craziest thing either. Now, earlier this week, last week that is, they sat Yoki Haru. And that was deserved. Like He had a couple bad games and they had Borge into play, so... Why not? The problem is here is that this is very not at all equally applied at all. No. And the reason I know that is because Jeff's uh, Jeff Skinner is sitting probably. And Kyle Oposo has not been sitting. He has not been sitting at all. Now I kind of understand to an ex- some things. All right. Oposo is considered a leader. He's a veteran. And I guess most importantly, he's uh, given heavy air quotes here, playing within the principles. That's what they want. They want you to play within the principles. He's not doing anything Ralph doesn't want. He's just fine to me what the principles are. Can anybody? Uh, Thomas Sullivan, great principle. Just kidding. Uh, but is it like you have to be willing to participate in a human sacrifice at the world economic forum? Like, is that what Ralph wants to like for principles or like what, 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 what those defines, what defines it? Um, I think it's mostly just playing his system, like playing defense first. I don't know, going hard in your own zone. Dude, I don't. That is the whole thing though. That kills me about this is that we're talking about it playing within his system in this dude, Ralph Kruger, I can't remember what day it was. It might have been on Friday at or Friday or Saturday at his press conference. It was before the New Jersey game. He pretty much flat out said that he didn't know what was going wrong. He's like, honestly, I don't really know what to tell you. Like, I can't really put my finger on it. And kind of alluded to the fact that his system wasn't working. Mm. Like, dude, imagine that. Unbelievable. Like, I can tell you what's going wrong before you even before they played one game. Of course, uh, a system, a system that's you know based on making sure the other team doesn't get quality shots when your goalies suck anyway. Well, right. guess what? It, it won't matter because your goalies right. suck. <laughs> like, right. it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's whatever. Anyway, not even getting out of that point. Oposo, whatever. I believe him when he says he play. Oposo tries to play within the principles because he's not succeeding. 
And that should be clear to anyone. <laughs> it's not even just his numbers, his advanced stats. He doesn't have a point. You can put me out there. I would try too. C- congratulations, yeah. Kyle Opozo. You want a fucking medal for trying? My God. I wouldn't try. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, Opozo being old after, and, you know, looking bad after all his injuries and everything he's been through is understandable. I don't think it's a character flaw or anything like that. But at, at this point, he's actively detrimental to the, the winning effort. So he should be sitting because that's what matters. It's not just effort. Like I get why Toby Reader hasn't been sat or why Shane hasn't been sat or Lazar. None of them are as good as Skinner, but they're playing to what they're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. and they're doing good enough at it. Right. I get why you would rather sit Skinner than one of them. Oposo has a thing he's supposed to be doing and he literally just can't do it. No. And I don't know. I mean, he looks so much worse than last year that maybe this is a temporary thing. Who knows? Maybe he'll get back to the at least being good enough to play on a fourth line. But I don't know. I don't have any faith in that. That's not really how getting old works in the NHL. He's gone after this year. He's. But I, I just think the last time the Sabres made the playoffs, they did it in a season where they waived their captain. That happened. I was there. It wasn't that long ago. Ralph Kruger wasn't here. Terry Pagula was kind of here. It was his first year. He might remember that, but probably not. Yeah. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> um, I mean, sometimes you have to do that. I know you like to, I, you get more rope when you're that old and you're veteran and your leader or whatever, but at some point it's not worth anymore. And you kind of look like a hypocrite, but this is the thing, man. This that's... makes Ralph look like a hypocrite when he's talking about guys needing to earn their playing time. This is what he did with Bogosian last year, though, too. It's the 100%. same thing. You yep. can't even tell me that last year Will Borgen shouldn't have been up over Bogosian. Or, oh, I don't know, maybe we could just bring him up again for fun. Lawrence Pilot. Like, you were giving Bogosian, knowingly giving him minutes when <laughs> – it happened how many times last year that it was because with the Pozo, let's let's be clear with this too. With the Pozo, it's a little bit different where he is just like so shot and inconsequential that like when he's out there, he just doesn't do anything. And oftentimes, yeah, he does impact things for the worse. Bogosian, there were like games where it was legitimately his fault that we lost. And this isn't just like a one-time thing. This happened probably four or five times I could think of off the top of my head right now where his lack of smart decision-making or his lack of ability or whatever, his general shittiness resulted in them losing games. And still, he did not get this treatment that Jeff Skinner is getting right now. Even with that, where it was solely on him if he would have done something differently they would have won a game that hasn't happened with jeff skinner at all opposo i don't even think that's happened with to the same extent that maybe bogosian has maybe it has i don't know they play different positions so it's kind of hard to tell but this is who kruger is and that is what is so troubling and i know it's what we're both saying here but like this isn't just like oh it's it's a po- like this is who he is with veterans in general I mean, he just continued to roll Bogosian out last year, and it was like it was nothing. I, I, I don't know, and, and that's what's telling. I, I, there's so many people who I've seen say on Twitter, maybe not so many anymore, but I could think of a few people off the top. Of my head, oh, you need to give him more time. You know, look all the circumstances. You know, he had the lockout season with Edmonton, and then last year was shortened with COVID. This year, dealing with COVID, he hasn't really been. 
you don't need to see that. It's like we talked, you made a great point a few weeks ago that you knew with Housley within One 40, ga- 40 games of a couple, a couple months, you knew like this guy doesn't have it. And it gets to a point where again, hockey, I, I, all sports are like this, but it's re- uh, very much so with hockey where you have these guys who are very set in their ways with their philosophy to how the game should be played, how coaching should be op- how a coach should operate. Um, you know, all, all of that. And Ralph, again, perfectly fits that mold, even when he tries to bill himself as the exact opposite. But in reality, that's who Ralph is. Ralph is an old school hockey mind. That's who he is. And you could, you know, you could say, oh, he needs more time, this, that, the other. He's had two seasons to show that rather than forcing players to fit into a a low event system that he wants to run, rather than doing, or he he's done that rather than taking guys for what they are and and informing his system around his players' strengths. And, and right there is the easy benchmark to tell you whether or not a coach is a forward thinking mind or whether he's an old school mind. And Ralph always, always, always relies and reverts back to these old ass principles. And that's why the Sabres suck right now. If we're being honest, I'm sorry, but with, this team, they are better than last season. This is arguably maybe the most, uh, granted it's very top heavy, but m- one of the most talented rosters that the Sabres have had throughout this nine-year playoff drought. There is no reason that they should be looking this bad. And I think in large part, the reason that they do is because they're being held back by the decisions of the coaching staff and the front office. I mean, absolutely, no doubt. This this team is not that untalented, and it's not just luck that's holding them back. I think you have to at least question if the wisdom of Kruger playing this system. Like, there's no excuse. We know we know what it's meant to do, right? And we I, I talked about it last week. It's not just luck. If they were getting the proper luck, even with their power play, they wouldn't be top what ten in scoring. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't even be close. They wouldn't even have a chance to because of this system, at least partially because of the system. I just think that why – I don't understand this. Why can't it be that when the third and fourth lines are out there, they play a more defensive style and they try to load up on the first two lines? Why can't it be like that? Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, you screwed yourself in free agency by not resigning Larson and trying to replace him with Eakin. Infinitely. Sorry. So guess what? Now you don't have depth. You already didn't have depth last year. You still don't. You're not going to do that. Try to score a lot with the first two lines and hold on for dear life with the last two and hope your goalies aren't too bad. But even still, Taylor, even that's a problem though. And that's maybe it's a Ralph thing. Maybe it's an organizational thing where they have this mentality that these old guys who are washed and do not present any benefit to your offensive threat. They think that that just means that you could play defense. Just because you suck at offense does not mean that you yeah. are good at defense. It probably means in most cases that you just suck. So that's the thing. Cody Eakin, I, I, yeah, he looked somewhat decent and was keeping his head above water for the first 10 games or so of the season. But I, I, I has he done anything to warrant getting paid $2 million? And sure, there's going to be some people out there who will think that that's an inconsequential amount because it's, it's oh, it's only $2 million, whatever. But 
can you can anybody make an argument to say that Cody Eakin with his 2.25 or whatever his cap hit is has provided more of a positive impact than like Toby Reader who's getting paid 950 or 975? No. Of course you can't. And so again, it, it's a it's an organizational philosophy thing and I'd be curious to know what Ralph's say was in bringing in these free agents because the way it seems right now is that Ralph is the one who, I don't know if it's just me. I mean, I, I'm curious your thoughts. Do you feel like Ralph has more of a say in things right now than Kevin Adams? I think that kind of goes without saying, right? Yeah, I guess I'd, I'd love to know who made these decisions in the off season. Like, but, yeah, like, three years. What, what was it that you decided that it was worth it to pay Cody Eakin the money that you gave him when you could have gone after somebody who had more offensive upside because Eakin doesn't have offensive upside. He really doesn't have that much defensive upside. And to me, I'd rather go after somebody who can like give me some contributions offensively on my third line as compared to a guy who, what does he have like two points this year? Oh, Eakin? Does he have any? I, uh, he might have you know what I mean? I like, yeah, I don't know. I Just a lot. I don't know how many more things we can get into today. I don't think Stahl has been very good. No. He looks slow, too. That's not great. I mean, he's going after the year anyway. I don't know. Eakin has one point. Excuse me. How silly of me to give him too much credit. He has one assist. Wow. Great stuff. I mean, awesome. Awesome That's stuff. That's what you want to see out of your third line. A combined two points <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. Just every year with that third line. I don't know. Can we talk about something kind of positive though, that came out of last weekend or this weekend. What is it? That Borgen and Darlene might finally be like happening consistently. Oh, cool. Yeah, sure. That's good. That's at least something good. I feel like I know we've talked about that several times, wanting to see them together as a pair and Borgen has looked good since he's been up. Um, He's not the kind of guy that is going to, I guess, like blow you away or make you get set on the edge of your seat with his skill level, but he's just so sound defensively. And it's exactly what Darlene needs out of a partner, I think. And it's to free up him to be himself, his full true self with his full offensive capabilities that you have a guy who's very much like defensive oriented, very physical, it just seems like that they kind of offset each other really well. So I'm very, very excited to see if that combination, that pairing could end up working out for the long term because it's one of the few things this season that fans have said, hey, I really want to see that. And now it's finally happening. So I'm curious to see if that actually is going to follow through and work out. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or not. No, same. I mean, I don't have much to add on that. I, I think that should be a pairing that plays a lot. I think going forward, it's going to be interesting is what happens with the rest of the defense. Now, I don't think we've heard too much about McCabe yet, have we? We haven't, but it eerily feels like he might be done for the season. And yeah, that, we, didn't so even really get, we didn't even really get into it. I know I alluded to it with McCabe and Ristolainen at the top of the show, but man, that well, stuff with Ristolainen is scary. And yeah, let's talk about both of these then, because yeah. that, that was actually a pretty effective pairing this year, the way they played and uh, the way – they're kind of different than they played last year, especially in Ristolainen his entire career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they're both taking on a little bit, or well, Ristolainen especially was taking on less of a role than usual minutes wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so starting with McCabe, we will have more of a solid answer. I'm sure you'll hear before the Thursday show, but we'll see tomorrow. I, I, I 
there's no way he's playing Monday's game, but we'll see if there's a, any answer in like how long he's gone, because that mm-hmm. could be a big problem. They'd honestly, I would prefer they try to make a trade at that point if they can't get him back because secondly, his wrist line in. Now, I don't know how, I assume most people have heard about this. He's the only person that hasn't come back yet from the COVID protocols. He obviously has had it. Mm-hmm. He went on the list, I think, almost three weeks ago. The game was three weeks ago. He went on the list, like, what, 19 days ago, 18 days ago? So February 3rd? Yeah, yeah. There, he didn't practice today. He There was a statement released. I don't know if it was a statement or it was a quote. I don't remember what it was, but it's basically about how he's having trouble getting up and down stairs and he's having, you know. Stuff about him not, like, feeling like he was, like, alive when he was wait like very scary stuff yeah very, incredibly very incredibly it's, somebody, it's a very sobering thing yeah well especially too when you consider that he's probably the most like in shape guy on the team i mean i know everybody kind Absolutely. of jokes about his fitness videos that he does in the off season and everything but the guy's ripped he's a physical specimen and the fact that he's getting his ass kicked right now by covid i, I mean i i tweeted this from our from the account but like man if that's not telling of the nhl's handling of the virus and that i i don't know i mean i don't know if we'll actually get to that point i think that it would probably unfortunately take a star getting hit with it in the way that ristolainen has for them to actually consider to stop and say like oh god maybe we need to like put this on pause for a couple weeks or something similar to what the nba did but i don't know i it's bad like i feel i feel for him so much because like we had said this is finally he was able to start putting it together this year and seemed like he was having his best season of his career his most complete you know all-around season of his career to this point Ristolainen oh absolutely no question yeah it's it's a really terrible thing I mean the the difference is with him and McCabe and this is you know probably what's scary about it is McCabe if if let's say he broke his ankle which is no, okay, well, he's probably not back this year just because the season's ending in 10 weeks. But with Risto, yeah, maybe he's back next week. Maybe he's never the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? Margaret Rossi's going to have to miss his entire rookie year. Uh, Jason Tatum, who you know from your uh, NBA team, the Boston Celtics, yeah. he had a rough go of it. Like, even after he came back, he, he was still is. He's still dealing with, he still, he said it was, I think, like a week ago. He said he's still trying to get back into his like pre COVID game shape in terms of his stamina and ability, like breathing ability. Yeah. Eduardo Rodriguez and the Red Sox had to set out the entire past season because of it. Tommy Sweeney of the Bills had uh, his myocarditis. I don't know if that's COVID related, but I'm going to make an educated guess and say it's possible Mm -hmm. this can happen it's pretty rare for guys like that but this is something that you kind of have to watch out for and like Ralph Kruger ended up being just fine that's good thank god yeah there are a lot of older coaches in this league there are like Mm -hmm. guys get hired like 11 times coaches gms like this is something you have to be really careful about and even players i mean look at what happened to her so this is i don't think you can look at it from the perspective of like if guys get it they'll be out two weeks and then whatever we'll figure out the schedule like i think that shows just it's not even hubris it's just an insane lack of empathy from the nhl it's not you know it's not gary bettman or any of these owners that are that are out there like risking covid it's Mm. it's the players well Anyway, again, again, periodic, you know, reminder to throw this question out there. Is Gary Bettman alive right now? Has anybody heard from him or has anybody seen anything from him? That guy is 
just a coward right now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I guess this transitions well into, hey, how about Lake Tahoe Saturday? God, that looked pretty goddamn cool, didn't it? I mean, it did, except that they didn't know the sun existed. Yeah, right. The ice was like bad because the weather was too perfect. I think Nathan McKinnon said, I wish the weather wasn't so perfect. I wish it was cloudy and a little bit colder. (laughs) I mean, like in terms of a, you know, I mean, you didn't, you couldn't even have spectators. So you can't even say from like a spectating point of view, but God damn though, the views of that looked gorgeous. And if that is something that the NHL can look into further, because yeah, like the, the stadium thing and everything is awesome. Like the winter classic, I think is cool. I know people have, you know, some concerns about whether they're doing too much with like the outdoor games because of like other teams, like the last couple of years, they've done more than just the winter classic games. I personally am all about it because even if it's people feel like, Oh, maybe it's like diluting the importance of the winter classic being outdoors. I think it's great for local markets to be able to have outdoor games like that. But in terms of like the future though, I mean, not saying that specifically, but I think that this weekend in like the Tahoe game, like the Lake Tahoe games kind of gave them, the perfect blueprint for doing something very unique and different to the NHL compared to the other major sports sports leagues that can kind of set you apart a little bit. I don't know. What did you think? Well, I thought we were going to rip on them more because it was a complete fucking disaster. (laughs) Well, I was saying, I'm, that's what I mean though. I'm saying more the idea (laughs) of it, of doing it somewhere where it's like a cool setup like that. Yeah. Beautiful. And like, Oh, from that perspective. Yeah. That's what I meant. I mean, obviously the execution wasn't as great as I had meant, uh, the kind of was alluding to before with like the weather not working out so well with it being (laughs) nice out. But I think that the general premise of it though, with it being the first year of trying to do something like this was kind of cool in terms of the aesthetic of it all, I guess, if that makes sense. I agree. Operationally speaking, it was a, it was a nightmare, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, the only reason they actually got to pull this off is because there was no fans. I mean, I don't think they could tell fans to, like, get out of here. for seven hours? Yeah. (laughs) About for long it was? Yeah. Yeah, but, like, yeah, with situations like that, even if you can't have that many fans, I think it's really cool, like, different locales like that. I mean, and this goes without saying now, obviously, you have to have some way to control the environment a little bit. Like, stadiums have offered... something, yeah. Stadiums have offered, like, some kind of like measure of control and they've almost always done it in cold weather places, but they've done it in warm weather places too. I'm pretty sure they did it in Los Angeles. They did a stadium series game. So I'm all about this. Yeah. So I think I'm all about this going forward. I just think that you need to have some kind of, I don't know, some way to make sure that doesn't happen. Like it wasn't even that warm out. Wait, 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 Taylor. (laughs) Are are you trying to tell me that, the NHL didn't fully think through an idea and the ramifications ended up coming back to bite them in the ass. What, what? Oh man. I'll tell you what, what would though? ever make you think that something like that would ever happen? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what got into me. <laughs> I will say it's been a while since the non-hockey part of sports Twitter got to goof on hockey or got to goof on the NHL for being dumb. So that was cool to see Saturday afternoon. Just, True. Yeah. You do love to see that. <laughs> honestly, the whole, it was just such a funny thing at first. Cause like everyone was talking about the views and how cool it looked. And frankly, to me, those are the two best teams in the NHL that were playing out there. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been really cool to see Colorado uh, for, to me uh, just to get good again, because they were such a cool team 
in the late nineties, early two thousands. And they had so many great players and then they were just kind of not good or worth a lot. They were just kind of a black man franchise until like the past two seasons. Now it's like, they're the kind of them and Vegas are the two like, wow. Yeah. There's actually hockey teams again that have like seven guys that are really good. Yeah. I feel like that was going away. Like having all these guys you heard of and know, like, not just some bums playing in the second line, like frankly, the other Vegas team that made the cup in 2018, <laughs> whatever that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, so awesome, awesome matchup. But just, it went so quick from that to like, oh, the ice doesn't look good to like, I don't know what they're going to do to like, oh, there's going to be a delay. Like they said, their first thing was, it's going to be 30 minutes instead of 20 while we try to get the ice in a little better shape. And I I, I saw that and I was like, oh yeah, there was longer intermissions Uh the first winter classic, which I was at, and they had to have the Zambonis come out in the middle yeah. of periods because it was snowing so bad, but it all worked out. It just took a long time. And then the literally the next thing was actually we're playing at midnight. <laughs> it was eight hours. They did an eight hour delay. Oh man. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. I love, I loved it, but they're playing there again tonight uh, with the Bruins and Flyers. It just started. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Hey, can I ask you a question? Going back to the saves real quick, to the Burrs. Yeah. Thoughts on – so I guess I should – before I even start, correct myself, but because I was going to say the reports, but it's really not a report, I didn't feel like. But a couple of days ago, it came out, Pierre Lebrun uh, had said that the save – he had alluded to or the the wording was a little bit murky, but had essentially said that the Sabres and Eric – and Jesus, not Eric Stahl – the Sabres and Taylor Hall were going to begin contract negotiations about a potential extension in March. Then I believe Darren Dreger kind of swooped in and cleared things up a little bit that it was just more so saying that the mutual interest is still there, but not that there's anything really like planned right now. I'm just kind of curious though, with where the Sabres are at right now and with how he's been playing, would you re-sign Taylor Hall or would you try and trade him for something at the deadline? Mm, this is a really interesting question. I mean, it depends what kind of contract you're looking at. I saw someone uh, on Twitter, actually give him credit, Zach Carr, Sabres yeah. Twitter user. Zach was the one who agreed with my LA take, actually, my my Kings with Eichel uh, take. I'll, I'll see what he thinks about my Clippers take. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, I think he might like it. Anyway, <laughs> say that like Hall, something like four for 28 would be a good deal. It kind of is. I think I'm of the mind still because I'm, I don't know, stubborn or delusional that I'm not, I'm not ready to rebuild again. Good Lord. I can't even Mm -hmm. think about it. Like, I honestly think I'd be out. I think I would start. I'd let you talk about hockey and the rest of this podcast would be out whatever I felt like this week. We're going to get, we'll get early dibs on the Seattle podcast. I don't think we have one yet. So. Oh yeah. Maybe we could. That'd be kind of cool. Should we? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We'll see how this, we'll see how this season turns out. I'm sure our listeners are loving hearing that right now. hey maybe things turn around but like honestly like i can go if they're gonna like the reason i like got at least a little excited going into this year despite all the the shitter sorry skinner the shitter shitter i'm gonna start calling that until he starts scoring again there you go uh you're shitter until you get a goal pal so that besides all the dumb stuff i was like okay they got stalin hall so they're kind of trying in some ways and they tried to rebuild their bottom six i don't know the reason is because, like, I don't know when, God damn it. Mm-hmm. And if they go into next year with Eichel as their first line center and Hall and maybe well, at least one more year, Reinhardt, that's a whole different discussion for a different day. And maybe Cousins is a second line center of the future. 
and Olafson and yeah. Darlene and some of these some of these guys don't look half bad. I mean, Samuelson and Johnson are impressing people who watch them. I don't watch them, but good for them. <laughs> and maybe right. Quinn is maybe Quinn's something. Maybe he's not nothing like Middlestad. And that shootout goal like was pretty that. sweet from his first game. Yeah, do it in the NHL first, pal. Well, yeah, but maybe maybe there's something that's. I'm not saying that's a great chorus. Maybe maybe you make the playoffs once. Maybe you do what like. <laughs> the florida panthers do from here to maybe a jim benning team made game seven of the second round last year get a decent goalie but i'm not the point is i'm not getting into a saver season we're in a rebuild so i don't want to trade taylor hall you would rather do that you would rather be the panthers than go through a rebuild again oh no i'm not doing another rebuild hard pass They they haven't won a playoff series since i was 14 I'm not doing this. You see how I look right now? I don't want to do it I'm either, old. but you're going to tell me right now that you would want them to be like the Panthers? And well, the Panthers don't make the playoffs. This season. No, they don't make the playoffs. They're not the Panthers. The Panthers well, made the playoffs like said. I didn't say the Panthers. Did you not just say Florida? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I said no, I, no, no, no. No, no, I didn't say I wanted to be Florida. I said Florida makes the playoffs sometimes. So it shouldn't be that hard. Well, yeah. Vancouver makes it. No, okay, I don't want to yeah. be them. Let's say I would you like were literally to be... just like maybe no. a core that could be enough to beat Florida or the Jim Benning's Vancouver where they lose in the second round. I mean, granted, yeah, it's better, I guess, because you make the playoffs once every fucking 10 Once. Years. Once. Make the playoffs once. Oh That's better God. than zero. No, I'm not saying I want to be that. damn expectations. We all have a fucking brain disease here in Buffalo, and it's called not knowing how to have proper expectations for ourselves. Good Lord. I know how to have expectations. I'm just saying that they're really low right now. It's horrible. I know. I know. I'm just saying, I don't want to do a rebuild. I don't want to do it. So like, I don't really want to. So I would, what I was really getting at there is like, okay, if you're just going to do that and be like as good as the wild were from like 2013 to 2018. That's fine. (laughs) Okay. Let's get to that. We're never winning anything here. I'm not going to pretend we're going to be happy. If you be a perennial playoff team. So I could have a little bit of excitement in my life. Yeah. Walk before you run. Right. And I just want to see Eichel in the playoffs and stuff. You know, the Sabres, can they just go back to what, like a whole bunch of their franchise history as being this kind of like blech team that made the playoffs and lost in the first round usually. Just do that again. We have the lowest bar we're setting and they can't even hit that. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm getting some expectations. You know, I spent all my expectations <laughs> on the Yankees. That's the thing. The you Yankees know, have made the playoffs like – three quarters a of the, horrible team to put your expectations time. to as a fellow fan something's yeah. wrong with us it's what well the yankees have made the alcs twice in the past five years yeah they're like though no, the last four seasons have been alcs loss alds loss alcs loss ald loss they just can't DS win loss. and they made the game seven and game six of the alcs and i'm still at the end of those seasons even 2017 i was like that was fun but i'm like not good enough yeah. If the Sabres got swept in the first round, I'd be like, oh, my God, I love you guys. Just We're having such a good time. Games. Just break, like, 85 points. If the Sabres break 85 points, we should probably, like, throw a party in the plaza or a parade or something. I'm saying I'm, like, no. in terms of, like an 82-game pace, break 85 points, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, break 85 Bad. points this season. Yeah, right. God. <sighs> yeah, these guys drive me insane. I mean, they, they just keeps – 
it feels like there's no goddamn bottom. People have said this too. Like the fact that this is happening in an empty arena, it's going to be the 10th year in a row. Like it's just digging a bigger and bigger hole. It's like why some of the worst I felt as a Bills fan was 2016 is because like you're at this, you have so much built up already inside you. Mm-hmm. Like the, we're getting to this point in the Saber season where the other team scores one goal in the first period and I'm like, game's over. And I sometimes yeah. turn off the game for a little while. Or sometimes like, ah, oh, maybe I'll read a book and the game will be on in the background. Mm-hmm. No, I, hey man. I get it. I get it. With that being said, I think we should probably put this out there to our listeners. Um, therapy is a really good idea. I, I, I'm a big, big advocate for therapy. Uh, so I think that just being a Buffalo sports fan, particularly a Sabres fan, it, w- it would do you a lot of good. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in it. it it's, it's helpful. So, you know, counterpoint, you, you just go on- in the backyard and yell at a tree. <laughs> just just scream into oblivion that's not a bad idea either i guess it's cheaper maybe you could go to like an axe throwing place disagree i did see something recently that they have these new places where you just go with like a baseball bat and you just break a bunch of shit in a room that sounds kind of nice i could probably go for that for like a few things in my life but definitely if i go in there and somebody put like a Sabres jersey on the wall and then maybe like a picture of like Terry and Kim, it would like motivate me to really get a lot of aggression out that I have built up inside of me. Um, but again, if you want to go for more of like a peaceful route, I highly recommend therapy, everybody. It's, it's definitely a good way to go. What do you think? I told you what I think. Just go you just think screaming into the oblivion. No, the tree, that tree thinks it's better than you. First of all, well, whatever, <laughs> you know, which tree I'm talking about. I know. Anyway, those uh, damn trees. Oh my god. Anyway, oh, I'm tall. Can we also talk about? <laughs> I was thinking about it after the fact. I I was uh, when I was going through and editing last week's episode. <laughs> I can't remember right now what it was we were talking about, but like when we were talking to Walter, he, he made a point about something, and like I don't know if he fully picked up on it, but like as a follow up, I was like Walter. So just like your thoughts, like do you ever think about death? <laughs> <laughs> and he he didn't really say anything, but uh, I, I feel like my my view of being a Sabres fan in the year 2021 is within the first five minutes. I usually have you know Simon and Garfunkel in my head you know, hello, darkness, my old friend. That's, it's just become a mainstay now in my kind of day-to-day life when I think about the Sabres. And um, in a way, you know, it's a special kind of hell because we're contractually obligated, as we had talked about last week, to watch this team and talk about this team. And uh, I think I'm going to call my therapist after this, actually. <laughs> I'm going to call... That tree? <laughs> No, <laughs> we're kind of at a, uh, we're in a cold war right now. <laughs> Man, who am I going to call? I don't know. I'm going to call, I'm, I'm going to call Steve Smith. You know, what? <laughs> you know what, Steve? I was really mad at you because of special teams last year, but they've actually gotten a little bit better. I think you're doing okay. And then I'm going to call someone else. Let's see, just someone. From okay, the- but like, is the special teams, like, is the power play better or is it just Victor Olofsson? well he's on the power play well so i'm not giving that asshole any credit i'm not giving any of these assholes any credit win more than like two games in a row actually no win more than one game in a row and then 
I I'm going to call Steve Chris Taylor. That's who I'm going to call. Tell him that he deserved better. But I oh. still think the Amherst are in good hands. It seems I love like. that. Yeah. Not I don't know. We'll it. see. All right. Well, any last thoughts, Taylor? I guess is it time to do recommendations? It probably is. What do you got fears for this week? Well, guess what? I listened to Isaiah Rashad, so I listened to one of your recommendations. Did you? What did you think? I liked it. I enjoyed it. I, I listened to it on the way back today from getting the vaccine. Oh, shit. So you just listened today. Wow, look at you. Very That's cool. Right. That's and you right. liked it? I did. Did you listen to the... I'm, well, I'm assuming if you listen to the full album, but the song uh, What's Wrong with Kendrick, where Kendrick has the feature on the second verse. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Good. Awesome. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Isaiah Rashad's awesome. He's become, he, he's, he's jumped into my top five favorite rappers, I would say for sure. All right. So you didn't, you didn't listen to my, any of my recommendations, did you? I did not watch any of them yet. No, but I will. I will. Mm, sure you will. <laughs> I promise I will. Hmm. Let's hang out soon and we'll, we'll do it. We'll watch your movies and we'll live tweet the entire thing from the straight up Sabres account. All right. Yeah, that works. We'll both have the account open and people can guess which one of us is tweeting. It <laughs> probably should not be hard. People could probably already figure that out anyways now, but <laughs> I wonder if people can kind of figure that out. I hope there's a distinction. I think there is. You think? I think so. Yeah. I think there's pros and cons to that though, because in one way it could be kind of a good thing if people don't realize, because that means that you and I have a very consistent voice that's gelling with each other. But on the other hand, maybe that means if people do recognize the difference they're seeing our, our personality shine through in our tweets. Yeah, we definitely have a difference. We <laughs> so do. We, we, we definitely do. Oh it, my God. It's doom and gloom for both of us, but we have a different way of approaching it. Yeah, everyone has their own writing style. Look at us. Yeah. Well, anyway, so my recommendation oh, yeah, go ahead. is I was, I'm reading a book. That's not the recommendation. As I always said, don't read books. Don't read. Mm. Reading never did nothing good for nobody. I agree. And what who is said one that? good thing that reading's ever led to? You know, that's right. President George W. Bush said that. So, secondly, <laughs> the authority I, on reading. Yeah, on literacy. I, a movie I've been fascinated by, and I, I used to hate, and I've come to really like over the past about a few years or so, is Halloween Three. Now, Brendan, you're not a horror movie guy. Super not. Man, you guys should have heard me last week trying to explain some things from Haunting of Hill House to Brendan. Oh, you mean after the after the episode when we after were talking? we recorded last <laughs> Monday's episode, he did not like it. Did no, not enjoy that at all. No, it was not anyway, a good time. But so the Halloween series, I'm a big fan of. Just a real quick thing, just to explain kind of the background here of why I felt this way was about Halloween three, Halloween one first first movie, 1978, directed by John Carpenter, also made by Deborah Hill, his girlfriend at the time, huge hit. It kind of launched the slasher genre, but it didn't invent slasher uh, the slasher genre. If that makes sense. It made it super popular because it was so it was so profitable. Uh, but it's a it's it's not really like a typical slasher because it's really good. It's really suspenseful. There's no blood basically. There's almost no blood at all. There's not that many deaths. The characters are really good. The, the musical cues are unbelievable. It's so much better. It's such more like an auteur '70s film than a slasher flick. The way you know Friday the Thirteenth kind of changed the genre. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Halloween 2 happens as a sequel. They have to kind of get roped into doing it. It's not very good. At the end of it, Michael Myers and Dr. Loomis, two, pretty much the two main characters, are supposed to be dead. And that should be the end of the Michael Myers story. Now, they wanted to do a third Halloween movie, but it wouldn't make sense to bring those guys back. There was kind of an idea. 
there's it's more there's more to it than this, but there's kind of an idea with John Carpenter and Deborah Hill to do kind of a anthology type series mm-hmm. based on and I just learned this. I think it's called So Wayne. It's spelled like Sam Hain. It's an old Irish thing. In Halloween 2, they pronounce it as Sam Hain. It's not pronounced that way. I believe it's a Gaelic word. I don't know if I said it right though, either as Sa Wayne, whatever. I don't think hey, I it's did. like me last week with Bob Suve. Yeah, exactly. Except I'm not going to look up how to say this. That's okay. Um, and so if they want to do an anthology, so people know Halloween 3 as the movie that Michael Myers is not in. He's not in it. It has nothing to do with him. In fact, Halloween, the original movie, is a movie in Halloween 3. It's on TV. They, you see it in the ads. Uh, so people hated it because peop- there was no real marketing that led up to the movie to be like, oh, hey, this is a story continuing without Michael Myers. It's an anthology. Anything I just explained, that was not really explained. People saw the previews, mm-hmm. but the preview is kind of, you know, short and vague and didn't give away whether or not Michael Myers would be in it. And they just wasn't. People were just so confused. Like, what the mm-hmm. hell was that? It's barely a horror movie. And, you know, that's obviously why <laughs> Michael Myers was back in Halloween 4, 5, 6, 7, the 8, the remakes with Rob Zombie, the 2018 one, Halloween Kills and Ends. Are come back. He's, he's going to be in movies forever. People... Oh, yeah hated halloween 3 and i'm here to tell you it's not only is it not that bad it's pretty good it's a fascinating story i like it it has to do with an evil commercial it's weird it's pretty stupid but it's good solid there's an unbelievably weird storyline uh the main character that the doctor the hero of the story you might want to say not a great guy kind of a pervert but in the end he's the hero Hmm. I I enjoy it. I think it's worth checking out. So you're saying that your recommendation for the week is a movie where a pervert is the hero of the movie? Is that what I'm understanding? Well, let me just explain this. <laughs> he's about a 45-year-old man. Like I said, he's a doctor. A, one of his patients has been murdered, and that patient's daughter, who is like in her probably early to mid-20s, is like, I want your help like finding out what happened. Okay. And instead of being like, no, call the cops. He's, and he's drunk, by the way, when this happens in the middle of the afternoon. He's supposed to go pick up his kids. He's divorced and he has two like little kids that are like 10, 11 years old. And instead of doing that, he calls his wife and his ex-wife and is like, yeah, sorry, I can't pick up the kids. And then he picks up a six pack of beer and goes to drive to uh, a, a coastal town with this like 20 something year old lady. You think that's a bad move? Bad move for a dad? Probably. But hey, complicated <laughs> heroes sometimes, man. Okay, I can get with that. This cool. isn't All kindergarten. Right. <laughs> Halloween 3 then, huh? That's right. Okay, I like that. I- I'm not going to watch it, probably, but I like it. You wouldn't be that scared. No? Okay. No, well. it's not that scary. Okay. All right. I guess. Well, maybe I'll consider it. Well, All right, my- what's your recommendation? So mine, <clears throat> I am uh, going with something that was super mainstream and, and popular, actually, but with good reason. So I, growing up, was a big fan, and especially like through my adolescence, big fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, John Frusciante, specifically, is my favorite guitarist of all time. Incredible, incredible guitarist. Uh, and so his story is pretty interesting with the band because he they were went through some lineup changes for their first few albums then 
he comes into the fold into the late eighties. They put out uh, two, like their, their first two albums with him um, are just immediately successful and in huge hits. So they put out uh, mother's milk, which I believe was in 89. And then after that in 91, they put out blood sugar, sex magic, which was like what really catapulted them though. Like between those two albums, uh, mother's milk featured like higher ground which was the the stevie wonder cover that is is very famous by them and then blood sugar sex magic can include suck my kiss under the bridge give it away like three of their biggest songs so after that uh album comes out in 1991 um they do a subsequent tour for it and then john Frusciante leaves the band they put out another album in 1995 one hot minute where dave navarro then steps in and he plays lead guitar for them didn't end up working out with him long-term after that album. And so after that happens, then comes 1999. Uh, about a year or two prior to that, John Frusciante rejoins the band after <clears throat> working through, like he was definitely dealing with some pretty serious drug problems at the time. He was struggling a lot with like the fame with how quickly they became famous back in 91 and just was not in a great mental state. And so they bring him back for 99. The product of that is then Californication, which becomes one of their most best albums. <clears throat> released right before the new before uh the new millennium but it ends up being one of in my opinion at least that you could probably make an argument that that's in the top 10 best rock albums of the 90s um after that comes by the way which came out in 2002 that featured like a ton of huge hits like can't stop and by the way obviously um <clears throat> uh the zephyr song like there, there's just a bunch it's a really great album and then in 2006 comes stadium arcadium and so that stadium arcadium is my pick for the week this week the reason being is because i'm talking about john frusciante specifically because that is the last album that john frusciante played with the red hot chili peppers on and that he wrote with them on he after that album came out in the subsequent tour they ended up having a ton of success stadium arcadium was their first number one album in the united states and again when you think about that for the red hot chili peppers it's kind of surprising considering of how like just huge they are you know they're i would say for people in our generation and and even you know maybe even the, the generation above us they're kind of like when you think about like most popular american rock bands of, of our time they're up there um, kind of in like the mold with like Foo Fighters, Pearl Jam, when you know, you know where it's just like these like larger than life bands. But <clears throat> Stadium Arcadium is my recommendation for a couple of reasons. Again, that was the last one that John Frusciante was on. And I picked it specifically because John Frusciante was announced last year to be rejoining the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, they, after he had left the band in, I think it was like 2008 or 2009, they replaced him with a friend of his who also happened to be their like touring rhythm guitarist who they also brought along with them, Josh Klinghoffer. They cut the cord with him. They put out two albums with him, um, in 2011 and 2016, but then they decided in cutting the cord with him, they were going to bring John Frusciante back. And both times he left the band, it was his own decision to do so he wasn't kicked out he just wanted to leave because he just like wasn't handling the fame super well so i'm really really excited to see what the album that's supposed to i believe come out this year is going to be like because i didn't really like the 2011 album i'm with you the 2016 album the getaway was really good it was good not really good it was good definitely a step up from that one but not quite at the level of like their you know their core albums with Frashante. like the five albums that they put out with him were all are their five best albums you know like he is in my opinion, I think he's the best guitarist to emerge like from our general generation in terms of, you know, in our lifetimes, like growing up. 
Um, but the thing that's kind of cool, I have like a cool thing for double albums. Not that I necessarily like go out of my way to seek them, but I always really like the idea of looking at a double album and breaking it down to if I could pick like 12 to 14 songs to make it a single album. Like I always, like I think about it, like with like the white album, for example, too, like by the Beatles, same thing with this one, any famous one, you know, usually double albums you're talking about like eight in like the 18 to 20 to 24 song range. But I think it's kind of cool when you can like look at that and say, okay, well, what if they just put out it as a regular single release and you broke it down to like the 12 best songs, because if you did that for the white album for the Beatles, like it already is considered to be one of their best albums. But if you did that, I think that would like put it in a completely different stratosphere. And I kind of feel this way about this album too. I mean, again, it was a number one album, their first one, I think they got a Grammy for it. If not, they definitely were nominated. Um, but it's a really cool album. And I think a lot of people know like the hits from it, like Danny California, um, Humpty Bomb, Charlie, like there's a lot of very, very popular songs, but there's also a lot of really, really, really good deep cuts. And it's kind of interesting that it's one of those albums that I like think about if I could cut it down, what songs I would take out. And sure, there's definitely some, but then there's others that like, if I go a couple months without listening to it, I'll be like, oh damn, no, I would probably keep that one in. And so it's really cool that even though it's an album that's been out for 15 years now, with each subsequent listen, I feel like my perspective on it changes a little bit with each listen, just because of how, like the depth of the songs and how many there are and how different they are. You know, it kind of all fits in with like the general like Chili Peppers mold, but it's really cool uh just like the songwriting on it is really solid and that's something that i felt like was really lacking from like the the chili peppers last two albums from when he wasn't in the band so i recommend stadium arcadium check it out and get familiar with it because the chili peppers are probably putting out a new album this year with this dude again for the again the first time in 15 years and they're five for five with amazing albums with this dude in the band and i have all the faith in the world that he's going to step right back in and it's going to be great again so Check that out if you haven't listened to it all the way through in full. It's a bit of a, a listen just, again, because of how long it is with it being a double album, but it's super worth your time. So that is my recommendation for the week. Good stuff. Great stuff. Are you a Chili Peppers fan? I feel like we haven't really talked about it. I don't know if we ever uh, have. I, don't, I haven't listened to much of their stuff. Fair, fair. Well, who's your, uh, who's your random Sabres player of the episode? Uh, it's not exactly a Sabre, but it's Zen and Kanopka's Bunny. Okay. It's cool. I like them. Cool. Mine's the uh, Sabres team dog that doesn't exist yet. That should exist. Wow. Hmm. But if you're going to want, want me to give a real answer, I'll say Yoke and Hesh. Yeah. Ah. Ah. Mm-hmm. Yoke and Hesh. Under, right. Underrated and underappreciated. By myself, I should say, too, and by most people. Yeah, he was cool. He was good. Yeah. For sure. All right, everybody. Well, hey, thank you all so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. This has been Straight Up Savers presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. Make sure you're checking out the Hockey Podcast Network online at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com and on your respective streaming platform of your choice. 31 shows, 31 teams with a bunch of other great bonus content going on and other shows that are hockey focused, but not specifically focused on one of the 31 teams who knows maybe uh you know next year like we said before maybe we'll be covering seattle or somebody else instead of the sabers who knows that way though you know start to get familiar with the other shows on the hockey podcast network because maybe we'll try and hop on (laughs) one of those if the sabers continue sucking as badly as they do 
Anyways, though, on a lighter note, the Bills are good, so at least we have that. And Buffalo Fanatics is where it's at for all the Bills coverage that you're looking for. Everything that is going on right now in the offseason with the lead-up to free agency and the draft, make sure you're checking out Buffalo Fanatics and their respective podcasts, along with the many, many great writers and bloggers that they have on the staff there. It is the place to get all of the Bills coverage that you are looking for in the offseason. I haven't seen anybody pumping out content in the way that they have in terms of other Bills platforms. So make sure you're checking them out. And uh, check us out, too. We're on social media. You know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that jazz. We would very, very much appreciate it. Uh, you know, we we live tweet games. So Twitter is really where you should be following us. We, we, we post memes on there. We like to have fun in terms of battling through the misery. That's all you can really do, right, Taylor? I mean, I don't like to have fun. I think fun is uh, inappropriate. Well, on that note, everybody, this has been Straight Up Savers. Thank you for listening.